Hope Church isn't just about on a Sunday morning. It's about everything else that we do as well. So we got some things coming up. Uh, I think most of them will be up here on the screen. And if you miss something that I say or want to look and find out more information, you can always go to the website, www.hopeisreal.org, and you can always find all the information there. But I'm going to highlight a few of those today. Uh, Hope Church Women, Women of Hope, uh, the Building Encouraging Relationships is going to be taking a break through the month of July. July is always a busy month. So we're going to take a break throughout the month of July, but start again on August 7th with the book of Esther. So if you have any questions about that or are interested in learning out, learning more about it or learning more about the book of Esther, you should uh, talk with Pebby about that and she will gladly answer all of your questions. Uh, Hope Church Blueprint Kitchen Volunteers. I think we talked about this last week. We'll talk about it for the rest of the weeks of the summer, I believe. Um, uh, we volunteer every year to help out with the kitchen, preparing food and serving food for Blueprint, which is a ministry that we work with down in the center of San Antonio, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, if you are interested in helping serve meals or prepare meals, please check out the information on the website or contact Jackie Kay. I've decided to go with Jackie Kay. I asked her permission about that. I can't pronounce her last name no matter what I try to do. So Jackie Kay. So see Jackie Kay, and she will give you more information about what's going on with Blueprint and the volunteers that they need. And then lastly, Hope Church, Hope for Kids, Fun Day, Fun in the Sunday, actually, is what we're calling it. Um, this is going to be like um, a one-day fun learning event for kids on August 9th, I believe is the date we said. Yes, I was right about that. Wednesday, August 9th. And then at the end of that fun in the sun, fun in the Sunday for the kids, we're going to have stuff for the parents as well. So it's like a big family day. You can, pick, you can drop off your kids, leave them here all day, go do things that you need to do, come back, pick them up, have dinner, hang out with some friends, and enjoy everything that is going on. Enjoy the company. And if you have questions about that, please see Jen Townsend. With that said, I'm going to invite Pastor Tom to come forward and take us through the rest of the service. Thank you, Pastor Darden. I think that's on. No, still not. There it is. Something's on. All right. It may just be my electrifying personality. You never know. All right. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. I think Darden covered all the announcement bases, so why don't we have all of the important people come forward at this time. If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite you up for our children's chat at this time. <clears throat> Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Doing okay? All right. You look good. You feel good? Caden, how you doing? Doing good? Okay. Glad to hear it. So I have a question for you. What is a commandment? What's a commandment? What is a command? 
what if, what if your mom said, would you be willing to take out the trash? Would that be a command? Probably, but it's disguised as a question. So if it was worded as a command, how would it be different? So would you be willing to take out the trash? Wow, I'm just. Would you be willing to take out the trash? That's a question. If you wanted to make it a command, how would you change it? No idea? Okay. What if I said, take out the trash now? That's a command. All right. And I'm sure your parents have never given you a command. That's a joke. Like, sit down now? That would be a command, right? Would you please sit down? That's a question. Sit down now is a command. God says that he, or that he wants us to follow a command. So if God gave you a command, would you have to do it? I mean, you would want to do it, right? Well, here's the command. This is from the Gospel of John. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So that's what God wants you to do. Um, what kind of command is that? What are you commanded to do? This is my commandment to you that you love one another. What is God commanding you to do? Wow. I haven't either. Right? There's a good 360. Caden, if God says, my commandment to you is to love one another, what is he commanding you to do? What does he want you to do? Show your muscles? No. What does he want you to do? My commandment to you is to love one another. What does God want you to do? Okay, stand up. Stand up. Okay, that was a command, and when I said stand up, what did you do? You stood up. Very good. Um, turn around. Safe. Okay, one of you turned around. When I said turn around, what did I want you to do? Turn around. All right. And so when God says, my commandment to you is to love one another, what does God want you to do? Love one another. Um, finally. All right. Um, how do you love someone? Being pleasant? That's a good idea. All right. You can be pleasant to someone. That's a good way of showing them that you love them. You could give them a hug. Mila, you want to hug your brother? 
<laughs> Do you love your brother? Yeah. Well, I know you love your sister. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, when you're a brother and sister, you don't always get along, but you do always love each other, or you're learning to love each other. But God's command to us as his children is to love each other, to love one another. I think you get it. Can I say a prayer for you guys? All right. Let's say a prayer. Dear God, <laughs> dear God, we pray your blessing over these young souls. We pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And as they open your word and hope for kids, that you would lead them to a deeper understanding of how much you love them and that you would lead them into what it means to love one another. We pray your blessing over them and their teachers and helpers in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Y'all have a great time. Hmm? Tough crowd. Tough crowd. <clears throat> Should we pray again for their teachers today? All right. Why don't we say a prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? Will you join me as we uh, turn our hearts to the Lord? God, our loving Father, we come before you this morning. And we pray that you would uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit. As we open your word, we ask that you would open our hearts we pray that um, you would be with Joanna as she is um, experiencing some discomfort here today. We just pray your healing over her. And we just ask that you would be with each of us as we um, spend time in your word today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lead us into a deeper understanding of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we have uh, some, if you're on Zoom, we have an uh, emergency medical crew that is in with us this morning uh, to help Joanna, who's experiencing some health issues. And so we're just going to take a little pause in the action. We're going to just, everybody's going to spend some time in prayer for Joanna, and we're going to see her uh, get taken care of, hopefully. So let's just say a prayer. And we'll, I'll just, well, I'll pray again and then we'll be just have a moment of silence. Father God, we lift up Joanna to you. We pray your provision through these um, paramedics and firemen that you would uh, minister your healing to her, be with her, calm her heart, uh, steady her body, and help her to uh, toward health and healing and recovery from whatever she's going through. And we just pray you would... Um, use these uh, medical team members to correctly diagnose and treat and care for her. We pray your blessing over her and this entire situation in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.
you are with us on Zoom, we're just pausing to let the paramedics uh, take some vitals and get Joanna on her way. So our paramedic team has taken Joanna to the ambulance and on her way to get the care she needs. Uh, let's, let's pray again. All right. Father God, uh, we continue to lift Joanna to you, and we just pray your healing mercies over her. Um, we pray as we open your word this morning that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would... Um, see in these pages your word, your will, your love, your grace, all that you have set before us through the work of your son, Jesus Christ. And we just pray that um, you would be at work uh, for those in our midst who are uh, sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses. We just pray your healing mercies over them. We lift up my mother-in-law, Dolores, this morning. We just pray your healing over her. Uh, she is having some procedures done this week. We just pray your hand would be upon her and your healing would be poured out upon her. We lift up uh, those whom we know and love who are in grief. We pray you would comfort their hearts. We pray especially for the Clark family this week as they said goodbye to their patriarch and we just pray your blessing over them as they grieve. And Lord, we uh, lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We pray that you would be at work in the midst of your people. Um, we pray especially for those churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving, um, that you would, your word would go forth through your people and not return to you empty 
We lift up our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba, and we just pray your blessing over what you are doing there. And Lord, we lift up our nation, uh, our leaders at every level of government, elected and appointed, and we just pray for wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. And as we celebrate this nation's uh, Independence Day this week, uh, we just pray that you would bring about peace and healing in our land, that your church would be a source of light and grace to the world around us, that um, you would be at work here and around the world to fulfill your word and complete your plan. We pray that your will would be done uh, here on earth as it is in heaven. We just pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right. We are in the midst of a series of messages right now that is called Love Letters, and we're looking especially at the, the four short letters in your New Testament that are right before the book of Revelation. So as you work towards the end of your New Testament, you will find 1 John, and then the creatively named 2 John, and the even more creatively named 3 John, and then you will find the book of Jude, and then you would, if you kept going, you would be in the book of Revelation. So that's where we are in the Bible, and we've, we've looked at Jude and the 3rd and 2nd John letters, which are very short. Um, in fact, all three of those books are so short, they don't have any chapter divisions. They just have their verses numbered for you. And now we are in the midst of kind of working our way through the letter called 1 John. And you may have heard me say when I introduced this letter, um, John is writing to a group of churches that he was previously a part of. And they are in and around, probably, we think, the churches he's writing to are in and around a place called Ephesus, which, was in a, which is in modern-day Turkey. And this would have been a group of Christians uh, that had formed as the church was spreading across the Mediterranean Rim in the early first century or mid-first century. And these churches have had a series of problems. Uh, one problem is addressed... Well, those, each of those problems are addressed in Second John, and one problem is that they are, you know, there are false teachers who are moving around, kind of going into churches, and churches at this time all met in people's homes. It was not legal to be a Christian, so they didn't have church buildings, they didn't have uh, legal assemblies, they met in secret, and these little small house churches had a series of problems. People were moving around between the house churches, teaching incorrect ideas and doctrines. And John wrote, writes one of his short letters about that problem. And then the other problem they had was uh, some of these house church leaders had decided, well, if there's false teachers going around, we're not going to let anybody in. Nobody from the outside comes into my house uh, and... John writes a separate letter like, oy vey, that's not how we're supposed to do things. You need to let the right people in and keep the wrong people out, and we're a family, we need to be together, we need to communicate and share with each other. And then 1 John is really more of a sermon than it is a letter, like the, one of the 
one of Paul's letters. Paul's letters include a lot of teaching, um, and Paul builds arguments like a, like a good Westerner. Uh, he uses um, logic and rhetoric and all these little structural tools to build his arguments. And then John uh, writes in this really cyclical, uh, colorful way, and he cycles back and forth through themes. Some of the themes you'll see this morning as we read from 1 John chapter 2, just the first 11 verses, you'll see him cycle through the themes of sin and righteousness. He uses a lot of contrast in these, in these cyclical movements through his writing. Sin and righteousness, truth and lies, old and new, walking versus stumbling, light versus darkness, love versus hate. And these are the, the, just the themes that he cycles through just in these 11 verses as he looks at the contrast between these ideas. And I mentioned in, in the beginning of this series um, that John's writing, whereas Paul's writing, the Apostle Paul, who wrote books like Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, etc., um, his writing, it's like he's laying bricks, and he, he gets a level starting point, and then he starts to lay the bricks, and he keeps a, a nice level plumb line, and he builds his arguments, and they're really structured and, and easy to follow, well, usually. <laughs> um, and John, his writing I described as similar to the old spirograph, if, if you remember this. This is from 1967 when Kenner Toys came out with the spirograph. And uh, we'll look at this again next week. We'll actually you know, show some spirograph. Uh, I just got this yesterday in the mail, so I didn't have time to really do anything with it. But I'm excited because I haven't seen one of these in about... 50 years. Anyway, um, but John's writing is just, it's colorful. There's lots of contrast. There's lots of cyclical rewording, reworking of the same idea. He just comes back and back and back and back to these really simple contrasts. And he loves these images of like light and darkness. He really enjoys using those kinds of contrasts to develop his, his themes the points that he's making to the churches around Ephesus. And so this is where we are in this portion of God's word. That's what John is doing, and that's kind of what we're looking at. I'm going to quote first from the Gospel of John. We have every reason to believe this is the same author, and, and one of the reasons we believe that is the Gospel of John uses these same contrasts of light and darkness and new and old and all the similar themes are worked in through the Gospel of John that are in John's letters. And uh, so here we go from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. This is the fourth book in your New Testament. Um, I'm going to read just verses 34 and 35. John says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Then we're looking today at the second chapter of, John, of 1 John, John's first epistle or letter. 
and we're just looking at verses 1 through 11, and you can sort of tell sometimes when John is uh, changing his thought or starting over is really what he's doing. He says, my little children, or I am writing to you, and then he goes back through these cycles of the, the content he's trying to, to communicate to people. And so here we are, second chapter of 1 John. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So, as a pastor, I always wonder, like, what, what is John's concern for these young churches? John is probably, at this time in his life, in what is called exile. He's not in prison. He's living on an island and is separated from the churches that he was a part of, and his heart is for them, but he cannot physically be with them. And so he's sending people are coming to him and telling him like what's going on, what the problems have been, what the challenges are. And John is is writing back and sending messengers to to go and try to address some of the problems. And he has to feel a little bit powerless maybe like he has a voice in these churches lives they they care about what he has to say but he can't be there he can't go make everything okay he is not able to be with them and so he writes to them and you can see what his primary concerns are he keeps cycling back through and when we get to this little portion, these 11 verses, his primary concern becomes really, really basic. 
love each other. Love each other. Like, figure it out, folks. This isn't complicated. This isn't rocket science. What are you studying, Wesley? Math. See, it's like math. It's easy. Um, we are to love one another. We are to love one another. Sounds easy, but kind of like math, it gets complicated. And math lost me when they did imaginary numbers. I'm like, if you can make it up, I'm out. I, this isn't math for me. I'm, I'm done. They told me I can't divide by zero, but I have to imagine that I divided by zero. No, no, it's not easy. It's weird. What's wrong with you? Math. That's, the, that's what's wrong with you. Um, yeah, Kathy and I um, have one wonderful daughter, and then our other daughter. Um, they both agree with that statement. But one of them, we don't know what we did wrong as a parent. We raised a math major. It was really sad. But uh, here's my point. <laughs> what we are called to is both simple on the one hand, love one another, and really messy and complicated on the other hand. Like, how do we do that well over extended periods of time with people we disagree with or don't understand or, uh, well, disagree with? I already said that. Did I mention we disagree with one another? Okay. So, if we're just looking at these 11 verses in the letter, in John's first epistle, John's first letter, we're going to start this the answering of this question, how do we love one another, with where John starts in verse 1. We need to know that we are covered. We need to know, you need to know, I need to know, we need to know that our, our sins are covered. How does John say this? My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, we are to keep the goal in sight. That is, that God does not want us to sin. Again, simple to say, much more complicated to live out on a daily basis. But we need to know that we're covered, and we keep that goal that God does not want us to sin before us, that our calling is to reflect Christ's righteousness in our own lives, to be like him, if you will, to reflect his light to others, and to return to God's grace continually. Um, so I'm going to read this portion again, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, a little bit of grammar. That if is, is a particle in the sentence, and in Greek, the particle if can be what's called causative. So, one way to translate this would be when, but when you sin. Like, it's, it's, it's not an if, it's a when, uh, 
John uses the word if, but in his, nat- in his language that he's communicating in, it, it can also be taken as a when, when you sin. Um, so he's not saying, for example, that you know, it, someone might never sin again. There are Christians who've interpreted it that way. I, I don't, uh, I'm a really bad Christian because I sin all the time every day. Um, and I'm not supposed to, and I know that. But the idea is that when we sin, we come back to the grace of God. We understand that we are covered, we are forgiven, we are loved. We don't take that as a license to go sin more. Well, if I'm forgiven, I can go do whatever I want, which technically is true, but that's not what God wants. He doesn't want us to be um, bad people because we're covered. He wants us to know that we're covered so that the pressure is off and we are free to be good. We're free to be loving. We're free to be reflective of who God is to those around us. And so, to keep the goal in sight, that we are to reflect Christ's righteousness, and that when we don't, God wants us to come back to the heart of his grace. Every day, every moment of every day, we are to return to his grace. We're to keep the goal in sight, and we are to keep the cross in sight. This is verse 2, which says, He is the propitiation for our sins. You can take that word propitiation. They probably should have used a word that you know because they're translating, and the word maybe would be satisfaction. He is the satisfaction of our sins. In other words, he's, he's satisfied the, the price for our sins. But not only for, alls, for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Again, this is why no one preaches through the first John, because his, his grammar um, needs explanation. Um, that's just a joke. People do. Anyway, um, what he is saying is not that Jesus' death atoned for the sins of the whole world. The, the language that he used means, has, it's the word for like, that we would get the word perimeter from, the perimeter of the world. So he's atoned for sins all around the world, all over the world. Not just your sins in this moment, but every believer's sins all over the world in every moment Jesus died for. There are sins that he did not die for. Um, Those are people who will not be with us in glory, but the people that he did die for, that is immense. The, The breadth and depth of that atonement is immense. And so that's what John is trying to communicate, that he is the satisfaction for our sins, not only ours, but for those of his people all around the world, all over the world, where there is the gift of faith, there is the gift of grace and forgiveness. We are to recall how personal his favor is. How do I say this any more clearly? Jesus died for your sin, all of it, for you. Because he loves you, 
and he wants to redeem you to himself for eternity. We are also, so that's how personal it is. And I've heard it said, like, if you were the only person on the planet, he would have gone to the cross and done what he did just for you. That's how much he loves you. But it doesn't stop at the personal level. We are to also understand and recall how vast his favor is. There's my sin that he atoned for, and there's the sin of everyone for whom Christ died for the forgiveness of their sin. His sacrifice is personal in scope and vast in scope. We're to know that we are covered. If we're going to love one another well, it begins there. It begins understanding that I have received a grace and a forgiveness that I did not deserve. I didn't earn it. I didn't merit it. I didn't do anything to deserve what God has done for me. That's our beginning point. We're to know that we're covered, and we are to keep his word. So this is one of the other cycles that John will run through here. Um, The idea of God's word, his truth, and, and then he uses the contrast of lies. But here we are. To keep his word means to let his truth direct us in life. We try to understand God's word, to engage God's word, and ask the question, what does this say about how I should live? And so we seek to let his truth direct us. We seek to be in harmony with his word rather than in conflict with his word. And we are to allow discord to be a warning sign. When when I see that I'm not in harmony, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him, um, I am to tune in to the disconnect, the lack of harmony, the conflict, and say what what's wrong in my heart? Where do I need to go back to the word of God and, and change who I am, what I'm doing, etc.? <clears throat> Excuse me. So we let his truth direct us and we let his love complete us. John says simply, we are to abide in Christ, to abide in him. That is a really uh, deep word, to abide. And John uses this this term uh, extensively in his gospel. He goes into... I think it's in uh, John chapter 17. He goes into this idea of abiding in the vine, that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, we abide in him, and we derive from him strength and life and hope and all that is good. And this idea that we are both at rest in Christ, abiding in him, and deriving from him strength and direction for life that he is our source, if you will, for all the good that God wants to flow through us. And so we abide in him and we follow in his footsteps. We are to walk the way that Jesus walked. This has many, many layers of meaning, um, not the least of which is that we are to be 
forgiving of others as Christ has been forgiving of us. This is something you see as a recurring theme in many of the New Testament letters, not just those of John. So how do we do that? How do we walk in the footsteps of a sinless Messiah? John says the idea, as we, as we saw in verse 1, is not to sin, but to know that you're covered when you do sin, to come back to that place of grace knowing that you're loved and you are forgiven, and then, as we seek to live out his word, to walk in his steps, to follow in Christ's footsteps, we start with things like forgiveness. We go on to ideas like sacrifice, that Christ gave up himself for our sake. We, as Christians, may have to give some things up for the sake of others. We may have to give up being right or um, any number of things. We have to be ready to reflect who Christ is, to be people who make sacrifices for the sake of others. And so we are to know that we are covered, we are to keep his word, and we are to show his love. John says it this way, that we are to shine his light to shine the light of God's love in the world. Um, and then he has this, this uh, infuriatingly weird, it's not a new commandment, but it's a new commandment, right? And so, like, how do I say this? You're trying to make sense out of this, and if, if Paul was saying this, it would be very structured very, very differently. And you wouldn't, well, with a couple of exceptions, Paul does a couple of weird things, like Romans chapter 7. Read it. It's weird. Um, but John says, no, no. This isn't, an old, this isn't a new commandment. It's an old one. But it's also a new... Like, what? What do you mean? What is it? Which one? Right? Shining God's light is... Staying on the old path. Love your neighbor and even love your enemy are in the first five books of the Bible. You can go back there and find it. This is very, very old stuff. These ideas that we are to love one another are old, ancient ideas from God's word. Um, they are also made new in Christ who gives us the capacity to love other people in ways we could not apart from his grace. So we're to stay on that old path, but we're to make it new every day. John says, this isn't lip service, folks. You can't say on the one hand, God, I love you, and then be a complete mean person <laughs> to someone around you. Does that mean I don't do that? No. I... I I've messed this up every way possible. We have to know we're covered. We have to come back to his grace continually. We have to seek to live out his word, and then we have to seek to shine his light, to reflect who God is to the world around us. It's an ancient idea, but it has to be new every day. I 
need to come back every single day to the fact that I'm forgiven by God through Christ, that I'm loved, I'm redeemed, and I can be different than who I might want to be in the impulse of a moment. That God has, this is, this is one of the things that we try to do here on a weekly basis. There's, you know, human behavior is a messy thing, right? We, we are presented with something, and I don't know about you, but I typically have an impulse response to whatever that stimulus might be. It's usually I'm going to eat it, but that's we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but uh, there's, there's what presents itself to us. There's the impulse we might have, and almost never, unless you're talking about like a puppy, almost never is my impulse what God wants from me. Right? Now, you give me a puppy, that's easy. You give me a little bit messier situation, Tom's, gonna, Tom's impulse is going to be to set about the course of bringing out Tom's will in the situation. Right? This is not what God wants from us. He wants us to stop and think about what his will is. What would love, what would sacrifice, what would grace, what would forgiveness look like in this moment? Um, we are then living out of a different part of ourselves than whatever that impulse is. And this is one of the reasons God calls us, this one of the reasons God calls us together on a weekly basis is to center ourselves in his word and reconsider what it is he wants for us so that we're not living out of impulse we're living out of his word his will his love his grace his forgiveness we are reflecting his light we are spreading his love this is the point that we have to remind ourselves not to live out of impulse but to spread this this slippery thing called love our goal is to help others get to the cross. So the way I relate to you should be, on a good day, helpful to you in your approach to the cross. Or, may I say it this way, to your re-approach to the cross. When, when you see me, or when I see you, cycle back to the cross to remind ourselves of God's grace and forgiveness, that we are covered, that we have a, a sense of direction that's outside and beyond my own impulse, and that God wants me to reflect to you and to the world his light. Then we are helping each other get back to the cross this is our goal. Uh, the opposite of that is, is what John calls stumbling. And he, he, shine, he, he sets this contrast between walking in the way of Christ and stumbling. These are the this is the difference. Are we going to stumble around in the dark and hurt people by following our impulses? Or are we going to turn on the light 
and walk in an informed way towards the will of God into demonstrating his love to the people around us. This is what John continually cycles back through in his letter, this call to spread God's love by helping others get to the cross and by keeping your eyes open to his word, to his love. Um, if, in the course of your, of your week, you find yourself bumping into things like anger or conflict or pouting or hiding or shouting, you, like me, are back in the dark. Your eyes are closed. When we open our eyes and we see that we are forgiven, we are loved, we have a source of grace that transcends ourselves, then we begin to, to evoke change in ourselves and those around us. We begin to shine God's light and we can start giving away things like forgiveness, understanding, patience, gentleness, kindness, joy, peace, and love. This is what God wants for us. Um, in case you uh, were wondering, John clarifies um, later in his letter, in the third chapter, verse 11, um, he clarifies that commandment again. He says, he cycles back to this truth and he says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. These ancient words that are supposed to be made new every day. That is our commandment that is not new, but it is new. That we are called into the newness of that command to love one another each and every day of our lives. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word, even for the ways in which it challenges us or confuses us uh, toward something greater, that we have much to learn, we have many ways in which we need to grow, we thank you that your grace is great enough for everything we need, that we have you, our loving Father in heaven, who also lives in our hearts by the presence of your Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, to lead us into not just understanding your word, but into living out your commandment that is not new, but that you want us to make new every day. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Help us to live in such a way that your light shines through us into the dark and hurting world around us. Help us to step out of that darkness and into the light that is ours through the love of your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Keep the Father's love
Should I get 